Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Clearance. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi oh! This next one's for you two. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA podcast presented by B-Ball Breakdown. I'm Brian Toporek, and here to recap a wild first week of free agency with me are my two trusty co-hosts, Sarah Chalea and Morton Jensen both of whom are going through their own stages of mourning right now in terms of their NBA teams. So, uh, Sarah, are you okay? How's it going? I've rebounded somewhat from (laughs) several days ago when... Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store all the reports came out that Timmy was leaning strongly towards retiring. It it definitely affected me. I was in a fog for like at least two days there, and I know yeah. it's gonna I know it's gonna hurt. But like I was a little surprised by how upset I was. Uh, it's crazy how much I'm gonna miss Tim Duncan. But oh well, we we will we will touch upon that in a little bit, Morton. Yeah. You've also seen quite the overhaul that we will touch on how's it going over in denmark um well i i'm looking forward to the year turning into 2008 because that would make <laughs> a lot of sense for what the bulls did um uh, yeah so new year's uh, a long time away but i'm sticking to it yeah yeah that's true you and the knicks are gonna have one hell of a 2009 eastern conference finals oh, it's gonna be so sweet that's and that's before like the stretch new era nba has taken into effect <laughs> it's gonna be awesome right yeah, Kristaps will just be useless at this Completely. point. Completely. Yeah. So before we dive into talk about all that happened in the first week of free agency, we just wanted to briefly give our condolences to all that were touched by the violence in America this week. It has been an awful week, and it feels a little bit weird, honestly, to be talking about you know Kevin Durant's legacy and Rajon Rondo in a Bulls uniform when there are far more serious matters, but. 
People use sports as an escape. We are an NBA podcast. There are plenty of political podcasts if you want to listen to those, but this is what we're here to do. So we are going to try to bring some levity to the situation and talk about everything that happened this week. But again, just wanted to give our condolences and hope that America does better next week. It's just everyone just love each other. It's not that hard. So... On that note, let's start with the biggest storyline. The last time we recorded was the first day of free agency. Uh, So the big storylines there were Joakim Noah to the Knicks, uh, Evan Turner getting paid a dump truck of money. But the marquee storyline broke early on July 4th, much to my chagrin. Uh, Kevin Durant becoming a Golden State Warrior, leaving OKC. So, Sarah, I want to start with you because your team is the one most affected by this. Let's be honest, my Sixers and Morton's Bulls were never sniffing a championship <laughs> this year anyway. But your Spurs, uh, you know, they are in the Western Conference. They were widely perceived as one of the top three teams last year. How do you feel about KD in Golden State? Well, I mean, on the bright side, I'm not as afraid of OKC anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, so I feel like we could still easily be probably number two in the West. I don't know. Depends on the Clippers and and OKC is still going to be good, but yeah. Um, man, <laughs> it's a little disheartening, isn't it? Uh, I <laughs> I don't know. It's they, they're going to be this four-headed, friggin' long defensive small ball three-point shooting nightmare, <laughs> and I just, I don't want to deal with it. Uh, but I, I can't even think about, like, it's hard for me to even project, like, what the Spurs are going to look like at this point. So, right. I don't know. I still, I feel like they can compete, but obviously Golden State was, like, head and shoulders above everybody last year, and I would assume they're going to be even further ahead of everybody next year. Yeah, yeah. Morton, how do you think KD is going to fit in Golden State? Do you think uh, we should just cancel the 2016-17 season and give Golden State the title right now? Yeah, more or less. I mean, hell, I'm living in 2009 (laughs) anyway, so why not? Um, Pardon. Um, Well, here's the thing. I actually love the fit. I think Duran mm-hmm. is capable of being an off-ball player as well as an on-ball player, which I think is terrific and gives them the versatility that... <laughs> I don't want to say they need it because it's Golden State right. Warriors, but that that was an aspect that they were missing a little bit of. The fact that they didn't have that one guy who could put his head down and get to the free-throw line in crucial stages of a game. They have that now. Um, and, and here's the thing. I wouldn't even be surprised if all of these four guys in the regular season did not top 20 points a game. I, okay, I think it's yeah. going to happen, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't. That's what I'm saying. If they play around 28, 30 minutes on average, maybe even less than that, which is ridiculous to think about, they could keep their legs and just you know, win 55, 60 games, basically not caring about any results whatsoever. And if push comes to shove where they need to win a couple of games to get home court. They're just going to play them 35 minutes each and they're going to win it. And then they're going to be so, so healthy for the playoffs. And I mean, how do you, how do you stop these guys right now? How can you even comprehend the kind of talent they have and how do you even plan for them? You, you don't, they have, 
post guys. They have outside shooters. They have penetrators. They have self-creators. They can create for others. I mean, the versatility is probably the deepest form of a of a you know a four some type of uh, team that the league has ever seen. Yeah, yeah, and we we did a roundtable at bballbreakdown.com. Uh, shortly after KD signed, and one of the questions was, "Is this the best lineup on paper of all time?" And all of us were just like, "Yep, yeah." <laughs> like <laughs> you don't get four top twenty players in a league this deep. You know, two the reigning two MVPs together. Uh, I think it's only happened two or three other times in NBA history. The Sixers had it with Julius and uh, Moses, and then the Celtics in the late fifties. I think it was Kuzi and Russell. Uh, so. Very unprecedented set of circumstances, obviously. You touched on two things that I immediately thought when this happened. The first was, when KD signed, it was like, oh my god, they're replacing Harrison Barnes, who just went MIA for the you know one of the top three scorers in the league. How do you stop them offensively? But I was like, well, wait, they just renounced Festus. They're trading Andrew Bogut. Like, are you really playing Draymond Green at the five full-time? Like, he's going to get pummeled if he's going against a guy like Boogie for a full game. But then they got Zaza Pachulia for the room exception, and they got David West at a veteran's minimum contract, and now I have no concerns. I'm with you guys. I just, there's no stopping them. As long as they stay healthy, I mean, they now have the versatility again. Especially they have Damian Jones who they drafted with their 30th pick. Patrick McCaw, who in our post-draft recap, I expressed my love for him. I, You know, Milwaukee, way to go. Again, way <laughs> to sell them that pick. Uh, he's going to be such a dangerous fit, especially they had to forfeit a lot of their bench depth. You know, Barbosa is now gone. Uh, Ian Clark left too, right? No, he's back. Oh, he's back? Yeah. And then McAdoo's back. But they lost Spates. I mean, they're... You know, their motto was strength in numbers last year, and they've lost five of their main contributors in Spates, uh, Bogut, Barnes, Azili, and Barbosa. So, you know, it's a very new team, but the fact they reloaded on bigs is not great for the rest of the NBA. And then, Morton, you said it. Like, they now do not have to play more than 30 minutes a night. And at coming off of this 73-win chase, you know, there has been speculation, like, did that just wear them down? Especially games 5, 6, 7 in the finals, where they just, like, battered from a 73-win season, coming back 3-1 to one against OKC. Now that's not a concern. Like, they, I don't think they care how many regular season games they win this year. I don't think they're going to try to go for 74. I think they're just going to say, screw it. We'll play 30 minutes a night, be as well-rested as possible, get us healthy for the playoffs. That is our season. And that's... Yeah, that, jump in. So, so side note right there, Ryan, regarding the whole if they're tired uh, or if you know if, they, if something wore them out. There has been so many narratives this summer about Golden State. What possibly could have gone wrong? Yeah. Dude, they lost the whole, in whole finals by four points. They were right, right there. Yeah. This whole narrative would have not even been in existence if they had won Game 7 by one point. A five-point right. swing and all these narratives go out the window. I think it's utterly ridiculous that we are 
micro-analyzing the Golden State Warriors to the degree that we are as analysts and writers and whatnot. Now, I get what you're saying, and I do agree that the focus on the 73-win season was just too high. It was maybe a little bit distracting for the players. But mm-hmm. but the fact I, I don't think it wore them out at all. We still saw that that Steph and Clay played well below you know normal uh, star minutes. If you look back to five or, or ten years, they were yeah. still pretty saved. Um, so so I get what you're saying, but man, I mean, no, I just I just think they got kicked in the groins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's always this rush to say, and it happened in the Western Conference Finals too. It wasn't that. Oh, the Golden State Warriors won and came back 3-1 against OKC. It was that OKC choked. And it's not that, like, LeBron James had the best three-game stretch of his career. It's that the Warriors got tired and collapsed. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're right. Like, the, the Cavaliers just played extremely well to a, a degree that we didn't see during the regular season all that often. So that's a fair point. I mean, I think LeBron is the, the proof of the value of, not necessarily exerting yourself 100%. You know, I think back to when we had our MVP discussion and we were talking about who should be number two. And Martin, I think one of the things you brought up was that LeBron did look like he was not going full bore 100% of the time. Like he seemed like not necessarily coasting, but, you know, definitely not going as hard as he did in games five, six, seven of the finals. Oh, he was coasting. But it, yeah, was, yeah. Okay. Like there's look, there's no problem in doing that when you're LeBron right. James. You know, you're secured a, a trip to the finals just when you have the team around the around you that you have and you're LeBron James. I mean and it's the, the MVP is a regular season award anyway. So like who cares, yeah. right? Um yeah. I, I to I totally get it. People were actually I I think we got some, some flack for that on Twitter as well. Like LeBron is still the best. And I look, I mean if we're going off the MVP votes, he wasn't during the regular season because he was just coasting, and that's fine. But look at what he did in the finals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and beating up Golden State for not closing it off or whatever, it's it's moronic because LeBron was LeBron and he kicked their asses like it was like there was no tomorrow. And that's why they had to bring in KD. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so now now the Warriors get to do the LeBron treatment. And, you know, 80% of LeBron is better than 100% of just about everyone else in the league. <laughs> but now you could probably say the same thing about Golden State. So before we move on from this KD thing, Sarah, I want to throw this to you because there's been a lot of debate about what this move means about KD as a competitor. Does it affect his legacy? You know, Charles Barkley came out and said he's cheating to win a ring. Uh, Reggie Miller came out and said, you know, there's value in staying in one community the whole time. You know, you've seen the best of both worlds. Tim Duncan's been in San Antonio for 20 years and he's won five rings. But do you think this move damaged KD's legacy at all? No, not really. (laughs) I think uh, I think it's going to bother people more now. You know, and it's, it's going to dissipate as time goes yeah. on. It's never going to be more of a problem than it is right now. Um, I think you had a good line in, in your article about LeBron is, is the embodiment of why it's folly to uh, try to, God, you know, you say the line. <laughs> I think I said. <laughs> Evaluate somebody's legacy midway yeah, through their like career. Halfway through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's so true. Like, we're always trying to do that. And, 
it's stupid. Right. <laughs> There's no legacy until the career is finished. So I think we've all seen that people are pretty much judged based on winning. Mm-hmm. And so if he wins a few rings, nobody is going to care at all how he did it. I mean, people will remember that, yeah, he, he went and joined this super team that's probably now the best super team we've <laughs> right. ever seen, but they're still not really going to care. Uh, a championship is a championship. So. Yeah. Yeah. Martin, you think the same? Absolutely. And uh, moreover to the super uh, team point, it's funny how the 2008 Boston Celtics have caught in flack for all this. It actually started with the Lakers in 2004. When you think about right. the acquisition mm-hmm. part of it, like yep. not organically built because they signed mm-hmm. Gary Payton and Carmelo, Malone and then it all went to hell in the finals and Detroit just kind of <laughs> came out and and owned them uh, from start to finish. That's the thing. Yeah. They didn't win. So do you think that, like, will he catch more flag if he goes and they didn't, don't win? In today's media, he, he's he's going to get scrutinized. But it's not fair if he does. I mean, look, right. here here's the thing about free agency. This is where you have a choice. This is mm-hmm. like the, no no one forced his way there. He he made up his own mind and he said, "I wanted to go there. This is my choice. I want to be a warrior." And people yeah. are slamming that decision. But you know what? If people, especially old players, had the same flexibility when they played uh, and had the same decisions to make, they would have gone different ways. Like okay, let's let's look back at at the Knicks in the eighties and nineties, right? Patrick Ewing. He knew he was in a big-ass market in New York because in, back then, markets mattered a lot more than they do now. That team eventually built a championship contender, but it was never an obvious contender, right? They made the finals in, in, 99, in 1994, but outside of that, they made it in, I think, 99, but he was way past his prime. If he had gotten an offer somewhere else and the market had not factored in don't you think pat would have left new york in a new york minute yeah yeah absolutely i mean so so all this uh old guys looking up in the in the sky and and yelling at clouds thing it's just (laughs) and and besides let's never start a sentence with charles barkley said right good point Reggie Miller said, "That's not, that's not much better. That's like <laughs> saying Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless said something, and I just tune off whenever that sentence starts up that way." Yeah. So, Sarah, thank you for plugging my piece. <laughs> I wrote something of people breakdown about this. I'm with you guys. I just think it's so dumb. You just can't evaluate a player's legacy halfway through this career because if you do this with LeBron after 2011, when he's coming off that loss to the finals, he's 0-2 in the finals. He's like now in danger of becoming the best player to never win a ring. People are questioning whether he has the clutch gene or if he shrinks in big moments. He wins three rings in five years, and now he's back at the greatest of all time discussion. You know, now he's like almost guaranteed to finish as the top five player of all time. So things just change so drastically and so rapidly. Even you know, like halfway through the finals, LeBron was about to be two and five in his. NBA Finals career, and people were like, oh, well, he's probably, is he a top 10 player? Is he an all-time great? And then he does what he does to the Warriors. It's like, oh, yeah, he is. He is an all-time <laughs> great. Good point. So I just, I, I don't, I get being upset about KD going to the Warriors for competitive reasons, especially if you had a team that looked like a title contender like Sarah. I don't blame you if you're upset because your Spurs' chances of winning a title in the next three years just got significantly worse. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't think it says anything about him as a competitor. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think because, you know, he's taking the easy way out. Like, no, he just wants to go to a good team where he likes the culture and he likes the system. And he, you know, he hit it off with Iggy and Curry in 2010 with the World Championships. Like, he likes those players. He played eight years in OKC. It's not like he half-assed it the whole time. You know, he got them to four conference finals in six years. They got undone by a couple of unlucky injuries. But, like, that team is very much in flux right now. What happens if he... What happens if he resigns for five years and then Russ leaves next year? Yeah. You know, that team's not going to win a title. So it's, I don't blame him for leaving. I, I, do, I just, you would think that the LeBron thing from six years ago would have taught us a lesson about being outraged about a player exercising his right to choose a team, which is what free agency is. But apparently we haven't learned yet. So Well, consider the source, though. Consider the people who are spewing all of this negative BS, right? It's yeah. usually emotionally driven fans or analysts of the lower tier. Like, look, Charles Barkley can be entertaining, but he's not an analyst. He's right. not an analyst. Right. He he admits that he's he doesn't watch games with poor teams. Well, you know what? An analyst watches games with poor teams. He yeah. he he's just a marketing tool and <laughs> emphasis on tool. He really is not that clever. He's not that bright. He and he's just spewing nonsense all the time, and it's it's tiring. And it's it it starts this again emotional debate, and people on Twitter are crawling out of the woodworks. Oh, he's a, he's this and that, and okay, oh, KD's never gonna win. Oh, the bastard! Let's burn his jersey. Have you noticed how? I'm sorry, I'm gonna be a little bit elitist here, but how smart people react to this positively. Yeah. Right. They react to the signing as a positive thing, both for KD, for the Warriors, and that's their focus. It's the it's the people who doesn't have that comprehension who is driving this anti-KD debate. And that's yeah. not me trying to spew something on, on people who aren't you know vastly knowledgeable about the league. But when you enter something with an emotional mindset, you're going to adapt your thinking to that emotion. So, you yeah. know, I mean, forget about it. Ignore it. People are people. Yeah, that sounds like the reaction to, you know, Sam Hinkie. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> and speaking of Sam Hinkie, not this is actually a terrible transition, but <laughs> Oh no, it's not. It's a good one because yeah, I want Sam right. Hinkie. I know, exactly. If if things go south with the Bulls the next year, Sam Hinkie's looking at a new job with the Bulls because Gar Foreman going into free agency, he is the Bulls general manager. Says he wants to get younger and more athletic. Instead, they let Etwan Moore go to the Pelicans for four years and thirty-four million. Mm-hmm. They sign Rajon Rondo to a two-year, twenty-eight million dollar contract, and then bring in Dwayne Wade for two years and what forty-seven million, forty-seven point five, uh-huh. somewhere around there. Uh-huh. How's it going? Dwayne Wade <laughs> is younger than Paul Gasol here, Brian. So you know that's hmm. true. Definitely more athletic. Good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's only about to turn thirty-five, Ryan. That's <laughs> that's uh, yeah. Okay, look. Here's the thing. I don't I don't hate this summer. I do hate the Rondo signing, uh-huh. but the, but I I've actually come around on all this simply because some men want to watch the world burn. And this is where <laughs> I'm at. Uh, I kind of like the Dwayne Wade signing for one thing. I mm-hmm. like him as a mentor to jimmy butler i love that actually but here's the thing the bulls they fell ass backwards into Dwayne wade 
This was not yes. a plan. This was like, no. oh shit, he's available? Well, we might as well try. We've been spurned by him before, but let's go again. And they, this was like their, I don't know, third attempt at getting him. And they, yeah. they finally succeeded. And he's way past his prime. And this is what the Bulls do. Let's look at their major free agent acquisitions, right? In 2006, 32-year-old Ben Wallace. Hey, and uh-huh. it was the, the, the way they marketed was, we got the best player in free agency. Mm-hmm. Right. Then it was Carlos Boozer in 2010. Look, we got an all-star power forward. Yeah, but you swung and missed on basically everyone else. Right. Then in 2014, it was Pau Gasol, who was a consolation prize because they did not end up with Carmelo Anthony, right? Look, we got an NBA champion. Mm Mm-hmm. And now it's Rashawn Rondo and it's Dwayne Wade. The Bulls like their over-the-hill stars, and I'm kind of hoping that Regardless of what happens, it's just the final straw from fans. Like, if, if this goes south, right, or even if it mm-hmm. somehow works and the Bulls end up maybe saying, oh, screw it, let's go for it, and they sell out young guys to get older guys in, which I believe could happen because oh, I have God. no confidence in the in the front office whatsoever, then I'm hoping this is like the final straw where fans and media members just go in on them hard and sort of forces a change in Chicago. But here's the scary thought. Jerry Reinsdorf has only fired one general manager in the 30-something, 31 years he's been around. And that was three months after he bought the team. Right. He has not fired Jerry Krause. Krause left due to health concerns. He has Mm -hmm. not fired John Paxson. Paxson stepped off off from the GM plateau and became team president. He's not fired Gar Foreman and... Gar is, well, Gar, act, still active and acting like Gar. I, yeah, you know, it's, whatever happens is going to happen, and I'm just going to sit back and, and not even think about the long term or the short term. I'm just going to have a bourbon and enjoy <laughs> what the hell is Jimmy Buffer is going to do, and then I'm going to enjoy when, when Wade is going to have one of his 35-point performances. It's going to happen. And then I'm also going to smile when Rashawn Rondo completely and utterly clashes with Fred Hoiberg, which is going to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad that you found the silver lining in that Wade will be a mentor to Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah. Because that is, that is the one thing I really do like about this move. Uh, you know, it seemed like there were, at least there have been reports that Jimmy rubbed people the wrong way based on how he approached last season as... He tried to be the face of the franchise and didn't necessarily go that well. So I think both Wade and Rondo in that respect, well, Rondo not so much, but (laughs) by virtue of them having come from these quote-unquote super teams, you know, Rondo at least had the experience with Garnett, Pierce, and Ray Allen. Wade had LeBron and Bosh. So that they've both learned how to sacrifice for the greater good. And Wade, as the face of the franchise for Miami for the past 13 years, can really teach Jimmy how to move into that role more gracefully. Mm-hmm. So I I do like it uh, in that regard. Sarah, as our X's and O's expert here, can you explain to me how a, a Rondo-Wade-Butler trio is going to work in terms of floor spacing? And how they're going to space? Yeah, no, yeah. I cannot explain that to you. <laughs> You're going to space, oh my god, about as well as kind of 
a Django pile, you know, that just like collapsed <laughs> in on itself. That's how it's going to look. Um, it's going to be interesting for sure. <laughs> I, Fred's got his work cut out for him on that one. For the second year in I, a row. Yeah, why? I don't know. We can't answer it, can we, Morton? I don't know why you would have a bunch of people that can't really shoot. No, no. And it's not even him. It's, but it's, it's so weird, right? They fired Tom freaking Thibodeau. They mm-hmm. bring in Fred Horberg, who was rumored for a, a full year, a full calendar year. It was like well known that Fred was going to take over. And for two straight summers, they have undermined him completely in giving him the wrong roster. This is yeah. such a hack job, like all around. It, I all, I want Fred to quit, like not get wait to get fired. I want Fred to like twenty five games into the season just get up, go into the office, and say, "Screw you guys, I'm going home." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts a pace and space system adjusts to guys. I mean, Butler's a 32% three-point shooter, I think, career-wise, and that's the best of those three. I, I assume you put Nico as your starting four just because you cannot, you can't literally have not a single reliable three-point shooter, and Taj could add some muscle off the bench, but it's going to be uh, quite the experiment that we will have to keep our eye on when the season kicks off this fall. If they start um, Taj, man, then it's not yeah. even a 2008 team. It's a 1982 <laughs> team. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're, they're just going to completely disregard the three-point completely. line. Yeah. yeah. Well, Morton, prayers up for you and your Bulls. <laughs> We're going to now extend our prayers to Sarah. Uh, before this broadcast started, we agreed not to talk about Tim Duncan in depth until he officially makes his announcement one way or the other. Uh, nothing is official yet, but as Sarah mentioned at the top of the show, Adrian Wojnarowski has reported that he is leaning strongly or leaning heavily toward retirement. I forget the exact phrasing. Um, I saw something on Twitter yesterday. I don't know if it's official or not, but he... Sounds like it, he might have just been delaying his announcement uh, because of what happened in Dallas this week. So we are operating under the assumption that he is retiring, but we will not not go too far in depth until it actually happens. But it seems like the Spurs are also operating under that assumption because they brought in Pau Gasol on uh, a two-year $30 million deal. <laughs> I hate you, Warren. <laughs> <laughs> that that was the reaction I expected. He's uh, so happy. They, <laughs> they also brought in Dwayne Dedman on an actually reasonable, I think it was two years, six million. But Sarah, what are you most more upset about? Tibbert possibly retiring or Detroit stealing Boban? <laughs> oh, man. I am a little pissed off at Stan <laughs> for taking pains and then taking Boban two years in a row. But, yeah. No, to me, it's like we talked about it for a while now that, you know, there's the joke that he's just going to, you know, even Pop said he probably in mid-game some days is going to walk over to me and say I'm done and keep walking, you know, yeah, yeah. and that's just the way it's going to be. And, you know, we've always said, well, that's the most Tim Duncan way to do it. That would be fitting. But now that, you know, it seems like he's just kind of disappear. It feels wrong. Like, yeah. It, I, it just, uh, it doesn't sit right with me. But at the same time, it wouldn't be right for him to do the Kobe thing either. I mean, right. th- he wouldn't do it. It would right. be awful and awkward, and <laughs> he'd hate it, and we'd hate it. But 
I'm realizing, because I'm trying to think what, what would feel right. And none of it's going to feel right. You know, the only thing that feels right is Tim Duncan and the Spurs. So yeah. to imagine them going out there without number 21 is not going to feel right for a long time. But, yeah, I mean, we won't get into it any more than that for now. But, <laughs> yeah, do, it's Do it's you have rough. confidence in Powell replacing Tim as your starting five? <laughs> it's too I bad that this. we don't like record the video because I just yeah. just a look on that. Those one. are just dead eyes. Yeah. Those are actual dead eyes. Uh, um, it, be, Powell is a skilled player. We all know that. I mean, he's going to bring if he ends up replacing Timmy. Essentially, you know, he'll have that mid ranger that Timmy was kind of inconsistent with. Mm-hmm. But you know, there goes your rim protection. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's always been, not not from people in the know, but maybe general fans, that's uh, been a really underrated aspect of what Timmy does. Even, you know, in the years that he hasn't looked great in other aspects of the game, he's always brought that, you know, and that's going to be a, a bigger hole than I think some people realize. Um, no, I'm, I'm bummed about it. Like, that would actually make me resent Powell more. You know, if he basically ends up being the Timmy replacement, it's like right. going to make me not like him very much. And I'm sorry, pal, because that's not fair, but that's the way it is. Um, I don't really like that they gave up Boris to get him either. Yeah. Um, now, I will say that I've been disappointed in Boris the last two seasons. So maybe the front office was as well, and they figure he he was not ever going to get back to the guy who helped them win two years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I assume that that must have been the reason that because they wouldn't have given up on him unless that were the case. But yeah, it, I've been working so much the last week, so like I missed that day when like the whole front off, the front court just disappeared. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> David West signed with the Warriors. Bovon was going to get signed. Boris traded. I was like, what is happening? I checked my phone later. I was like, wow. But, hey, Manu's yeah. back at least. You got that yeah, going for hey, you. Yeah, Manu. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, it is worth noting, you know, Tim Duncan was obviously limited in terms of his impact, like in a per-game production standpoint, but he was still 12th in the league in ESPN's real plus-minus last year. Yep. Like. No matter what he does, he's still a freaking stud. So, yep. yeah, I'm. If it makes you feel better, Powell was number twenty-two in real plus-minus. So, wow. not a not a huge <laughs> downgrade in that regard. But yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a bummer to see. I mean, we'll, we'll save the Timmy talk for another time. But uh, <laughs> I do. Th- I think you nailed it. That Spurs fans are probably going to resent Powell, and it's not his <laughs> fault at all. But just by virtue of having to replace Tim once once he starts making a layup line uh, on any pick and roll, it's going to be bad times in San Antonio. Well, Tim might end up in Chicago because they said they wanted to get younger and more explosive. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, that would, that would be befitting with the Bulls offseason. Yeah, pick up Timmy. Yeah, go go all out on the nineteen eighty to two thousand and eight <laughs> mentality. Right. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so now that we've touched on your two teams, let's hit a couple of the the big moves before we dive into the best and worst off-seasons. So the other, the biggest move, aside from Durant, was Al Horford. I love that. Going to Boston. 
So yeah, Morton, as the our, our Eastern Conference guy who actually cheers for a team that has a pulse. Uh, <laughs> how you love it? T- tell me about what you think I mean, uh, Horford in Boston. Look, Al Horford is one of the smartest big men in the NBA. It's, uh, I mean, you can't even put into words how intelligent he is in rotating, at defensive coverage, the way he reads the floor offensively. He can shoot, he can dribble, he can pass. He, he's lost a little bit of his rebounding edge, but, mm-hmm. you know, outside of that, I, I think he's one of the most well-versed uh, big men you, you'll find in the NBA, mm-hmm. you know, so so solid in every aspect. And the fact that he doesn't demand shots is huge. Him coming to Boston is not going to sacrifice anything anything for Isaiah Thomas or for Avery Bradley or Jay Crowder. No, he's going to get his, you know, 14, 15 points, 7 or 8 rebounds, 3, 4 assists, uh, a block and a half, and then make tremendous decisions whenever he's on the court. He, he ties that entire defense together. That's what they really were missing last year. That was that yeah. defensive presence up front. They had a lot of terrific wings, but now they have something of an anchor. I I love what Boston is doing. I just think they made a hell of a mistake in not giving the Bulls basically what they wanted for Jimmy because if you then right. could have paired him with, with Al Horford, then boom, LeBron and the Cavaliers would have had a legitimate rivalry with boston yeah and if you do that so horford signed on saturday july 2nd durant doesn't make his decision until july 4th so if you i, I tweeted it like the second horford signed, you trade for jimmy you know he maybe he still joins the warriors it sounds like his mind is pretty made up but yeah horford plus jimmy plus you know whatever is left in your treasure chest of assets that you didn't have to give up for jimmy like you probably give up Jalen Brown and one or two of the, or one or both of the Brooklyn picks, but maybe you still have Isaiah Thomas, maybe you still have Jay Crowder. Like, that's a pretty good team, and then you don't have to go through, you know, Cleveland's the only thing you have to go through in the East. So uh, I'm with you there. And uh, we did a thing at Hardwood Paroxysm where we each took a team and uh, gave our pitch for those teams. And so I did one for both Horford and Dwight and wound up. Being the the team that actually signed both of those players, uh, the thing I really liked about Horford. So last year he was the role man in pick and rolls. He ran the fourth most such plays in the league uh, last year, and he averaged one point one three points per possession. Isaiah Thomas had the twelfth most plays as a ball handler in pick and rolls. So that's just going to be a great offensive fit right there. Yeah. And, I mean, Brad Stevens is a genius, you know. People are a little quick to anoint him as the best coach to ever coach in the NBA. I don't know that he is Greg Popovich yet, but he's at least shown some real creativity, especially on uh, plays on the, you know, out of timeouts. So I'm excited to see what he does with that. Like, Horford's coming from a ball movement heavy system in Atlanta, so he's going to fit well in that sense in Boston. Like, he doesn't need to touch it 25 times a game, and he doesn't need to be a post-up, you know, dump-off threat. Like, he's not going to slow the offense to a grind. He's going to be able to keep the ball moving. Um, The fact he showed a three-point stroke for the first time last year is great because, you know, uh, Sullinger and Kelly Olenek both had the green light from Stevens last year. And, uh, I mean, the Celtics were already the fourth-best defense Last year, they were tied for the fourth best with Golden State and the Clippers. You know, at, 
that's going to be a top five defense again. Yeah. So top three. I, yeah, I I do definitely like Horford there. Uh, I do think they screwed up in not trading for Jimmy right away, but apparently Danny Ainge just thinks he's guarding the crown jewels or something. Like I no idea what he's going to eventually trade. You know, maybe maybe it's Russell Westbrook, which we can talk about uh, next time. Once it sounds like the Thunder have cooled on the possibility of trading him in the short term, but if trade rumors pick back up there, we we will recklessly speculate about where Russell Westbrook could go. I guarantee you they haven't. I think it's just something they're saying right now to keep chemistry up. They yeah. are not looking at losing two caliber players of Durant and Westbrook in consecutive summers. They are no, for, no. for nothing. They are yeah. definitely considering moving Russ, and they're doing that right now, and they're con- going to continue considering that until the trade deadline. It's, I mean, look, losing those two players back-to-back for nothing, Yeah. I mean, is that's the definition of a backbreaker, right? Right, yeah. I, I had a fun Twitter debate this morning with Jesse, who's the editor-in-chief of B-Ball Breakdown, and then James Hollis, a.k.a. Snotty Trippin', um, where we, I, I was on that side. I said you, you don't necessarily have to trade him because you could. Just, I mean, having his bird rights is really valuable because the CBA is going to get torn up. Like we have no idea what the when he becomes a free agent, he's going to become a free agent in possibly an entirely different system. Yeah. So we don't know. You know, like I'm guessing this Durant thing. Convince you know small market owners are going to say, "Oh God, I don't want to lose my superstar. Let's add more advantages for incumbent teams to keep their players." So, I, my the favorite thing I've seen proposed was from Nate Jones of Goodwin Sports, where he suggested let incumbent teams offer a supermax, so like forty percent of their cap instead of thirty, mm. where other teams can only offer thirty. So maybe like. You know, right now the financial advantages for KD re-signing in OKC on a one plus one versus staying Golden State on a one plus one were like very minimal. Not you know not factoring state taxes in because Californians are a lot higher. But if Russ can suddenly get you know significantly more money in OKC or whichever team has his bird rights, yeah. then it starts to be you know maybe that increases his chances of re-signing. I, yeah, I, I don't think they are ruling it out yet, but I also don't think they are. <laughs> I don't think they're going to trade him tomorrow. No, I, I love the fact that they approached him about a contract extension like immediately. Yeah. I think yeah. that was the right play. Sure. It was also the right play for him to turn it down, though. Right. So, so I yeah. get it from both sides, but that just like forced your hand a little bit, and now you have to play the trademark a little bit. But. Yeah. Trading Russell Westbrook, even though he might only be a half year rental, you could like if you get forty cents on the dollar for him, that mm-hmm. value of his, that's going to be one heck of a forty cents. For sure, yeah, and I mean, what you're trading him for is going to be prospects and picks. Like you're not going to trade him for an, another established star. No. So the fact that you're getting, like, you know. The ESPN guys, the day after the KD thing, they had a, like, pitch your best Russell trade package, and someone proposed, like, Brandon Ingram and D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle, and, like, that seemed like a lot. But if you get Russell and Randle, I was looking earlier, they can't trade a first-rounder until 2021, but 
if you get those two guys in a first rounder, like the only having one year of team control over Russ, he is a far better player than those two guys. But having like eight years of control over Russell and seven years over Randall and then nine years over that first round pick, that is an asset and in and of itself. So you have to weigh like production versus how long you are likely or you can have those players. And in that regard, yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised to see them trade De- Denver. Uh, tra- trade Westbrook. Denver could yeah. be like a sneaky destination because of all the assets they have. Yeah, that's true. Or I mean, Minnesota was the fun one that I saw brought up. Like if you throw in, if you just do like Wiggins and Dunn. I mean, yeah, right? And like yeah. that's a... That is one hell of a package where I don't think OKC can turn that down. No, that's that's actually pretty brilliant because you have Shabazz Muhammad who can pick up at the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and then you have I mean you have Towns. That's all that matters. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and Towns and Westbrook would be amazing. Yeah, that would be that would end. It would just create a black hole on the court. It would be insane. And so Zach well, Levine okay. would get so many shots. I like that guy. Yeah. yeah. I like that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll keep an eye out for Westbrook trade rumors. Let's uh, let's go to the Houston Rockets, who underwent quite a transformation as well. They lost Dwight Howard, but added Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon. So, Sarah, we're going back to you as our resident West Coast expert, or Western Conference expert, I should say. Are they going to be able to stop anyone? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they care. They already brought in <laughs> D'Antoni, so yeah. they're all in on not defending. So, yeah, I mean, the cool thing is Ryan Anderson's going to get a lot of open looks Yeah, <laughs> with the Harden jump, jumping around, but, yeah. I mean, all right, this is going to sound crazy, but <laughs> are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know. No. I genuinely don't know. Yeah, I mean, it. yeah, it feels nuts to say that with – Harden, but come on. I mean, the Jazz are coming up. Right. Mm-hmm. T Wolves coming up. Maybe not quite there yet, but maybe. And if the Pelicans stay healthy this year, like they, you know, they made it two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They only lost Eric Gordon, but they they made a couple of savvy signings. They got Buddy Heald as well. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, Houston. They made the playoffs by one game this past year, yeah. and you've got at least Utah, Denver. New Orleans, possibly Minnesota, coming up. Uh, the only team that made the playoffs that really got substantially weaker. I mean, OKC, obviously, but like I still think they're going to be a 45, mm-hmm. even maybe 50 win team yeah. without KD, as long as they don't trade Westbrook. And, you know, Dallas reloaded pretty well, all things considered. Memphis got significantly stronger. So, yeah, I don't think that's crazy to say. I if I had to say it right now, I would put my money on Houston missing the playoffs versus making it. Yeah, yeah, That's, I would too. Yeah, I would too. Ryan Anderson is the type of guy you combine with like an interior presence, like Dwight, like they did in Orlando back in the day. Those two. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now you lose Dwight, but you get Ryan Anderson instead, and it's like five out. Yeah. Who's yeah. who's who's gonna go to the Cup outside of James Harden? Uh, <laughs> Eric, Eric Gordon, when he was younger and healthier, could. Right. He's like become strictly a jump shooter to avoid injury. Yeah. 
You need yep. someone to score close to their basket to the basket. Like who's there, Amari Stoudemire? If you run on the Mike D'Antoni train here, like you don't have that pick and roll guy. Clint Capella, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I don't know. That would be the weirdest Amari Stoudemire way of doing things ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's gonna be. Uh, I'm interested. They're gonna be one of my favorite league pass teams this year because I. <laughs> I just think every game of theirs is going to be like one thirty to one twenty six. Yeah, like it's it's gonna the, the especially the games them versus the Warriors is going to be such a fun track meet. Like they might set an NBA scoring record. Um. So yeah. So we are we are all decidedly lukewarm on the Rockets uh, alterations. I want to touch on you know we we talked about Bulls. We talked about Warriors. We talked about. Uh, Spurs, Celtics. What other team teams stood out to you guys as having the best off season so far? Sarah, I kind of like what the Jazz are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, bring in George Hill, bring in Boris. Of course, they just brought in Spurs, so I guess I would like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited. I haven't had league pass except for once, and I didn't really think it was worth it, but. Like, the Jazz, the Timberwolves are making me reconsider because I really want to see that team. Uh, I I mean, that, God, they're just good. They're getting young. They're long. They were, what, one or two games out of the playoffs last year? Yeah. So yeah. I'm really excited. I think they had a great summer. I think Timberwolves, they didn't have to do a lot, but mm-hmm. they had a good summer. Uh I'm kind of intrigued by Orlando. I don't really know what they're doing, <laughs> but but it's interesting to me. Uh, they they like packed in their front court. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It kind of stinks that they had to give up Depot and then just decided to give up Tobias. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm still kind of interested in them. But I I don't know if I'd characterize them as having a great summer. Maybe maybe second tier. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Jazz, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's one of my teams right there. It, it was just so fundamentally sound. Joe Johnson, George Hill, and George Hill is such an underrated defender and player yeah. overall. Actually, Boris Diaw is going to add so much structure to their uh, front line, passing ability, playing in the post. You know, he's just so savvy. As for the team that I'm not particularly fond of in terms of what they did this summer, Portland. <laughs> I mean, Evan Turner for $75 million, this is like... I have no words, really. I, I, I find it so weird and so unnecessary that I just have to plug them as the, the worst uh, summer team. I, I just don't see where they're headed right now at all. Yeah. And we we have yet to see whether uh, the, so the Nets signed Alan Crabb to a four year seventy five million dollar offer mm-hmm. sheet. They haven't the Blazers have until Sunday, uh, which is tomorrow. We're recording this on a Saturday uh, to match that. So we have yet to see whether they're going to do that or not. But either way, they're like kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't, right? Yeah, yep. I would much rather have Alan Crabb than Evan Turner. Especially if it's for seventy-five million, because at least Crab has some potential he can unlock. We know mm-hmm. what Turner is, and he's a backup, a good right. backup. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. 
even a good backup doesn't warrant a $75 million contract. I mean, they are seeing something there that we are not seeing, hopefully, right. for them. Mm -hmm. And maybe giving Turner, like, this the starting job and playing him 35 minutes, maybe that unlocks something as well. But, I, I mean, look, how long has this guy been in the league? Seven years? Uh, he was drafted in 2010, as right, I can vouch. So, so, okay, so six years, right? I mean, uh -huh. he hasn't really unlocked a long ball. He hasn't right. really become this disrupted, disruptive defender that he was pegged as coming out of college. Yeah. You know, he's he's just like this solid but not quite good enough kind of player. I mean, and 75 million. Brian, we should have been free agents, man. I know. <laughs> well, technically he was only 70 million, but regardless. Oh, he was 70 is... million. That, then they yeah. got a steal, Brian. Yeah, it changes everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, no, it's still an egregious contract. 70 million. I mean, phew, that's nothing. Okay, that's totally fine. Yeah. I'm still mad. We were we were recording the last time and we had literally stopped recording, and then Woj tweeted two minutes later that he got this contract. And we, I like, I'm so mad that we had stopped recording because yeah. our live reaction would have been <laughs> would have been epic. We would have deserved all of the awards. Um, at, at least Portland, to their credit, Festus Azili on a two year, fifteen million dollar deal with a yeah. seven point three million dollar team option next year. That's an insane signing, yeah. that, especially look at Timothy Moskov getting twice as much for twice as long. And then Festus gets that, like, oh, buddy. Like, uh, where would their head at? Like, Los Angeles there <laughs> with, with Moscow. Yeah, I'm dying to know. They're, they are definitely my uh, my off-season loser because, you know, in the draft, all you had to do was pick whichever guy Philly didn't pick. There was no – you. As long as you don't want to smart yourself, you know, don't pick Jalen Brown yeah. <laughs> as Boston did. Just take Brandon Ingram and walk away. So I'm not going to give them credit for that, just like I'm not going to give Brian Colangelo credit for taking Ben Simmons first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that Mozgov deal is atrocious, like absolutely atrocious. And people were saying like, oh, well, you know, maybe they knew what the market was for big men. Clearly not, because, you know, Biombo only got... Six million more over four years. Ian Mahimi got the exact same contract. Mm -hmm. Festus got, you know, a quarter as much. Like, as an atrocious contract. And I love Luol Deng. I think he'll be a good fit there. But four years and 72 million, like, he's a 40-year-old in a 30-year-old's body. Like, he is going to break down very fast. And that contract is going to be an albatross by the end of it. Yeah, it should have been two years. Yeah. I, Which is, yeah. I mean, that's what people were, I feel like after that first wave, like that first wave, everyone got these massive four-year deals, and now all of a sudden you're starting to see some better values coming out, you know, three, four, five days after that initial wave. So LA, I think a little patience would have gone a long way there. You, they don't but, have patience. Come on, Jim Buzz <laughs> is like, look, his, there's a timing, there's a timer on his job, right? Yeah, he needs to do. But something. are they are they a playoff team this year? No. Even with these moves, no. right? So it's like you just hamstrung your franchise for three plus years well, to go from like the number four pick to the number eight pick, both of which you're giving to the Sixers. All right, so here's the thing: what Jim Buss did, did bought here this summer is not players. He bought an argument. Yeah, he bought. The, the argument that Luol Deng is going to turn Brandon Ingram into a superstar. 
mm-hmm. because there is very few players in the league that you want to learn from more than, than Luol Deng. Let's be fair. He is right. like the, the the pro of pros. And they have they both have the Duke connection too, right? They have the Duke connection. They're both long. Uh, okay, Lou wasn't as athletic, but he was always very, very good at using his length. He was a strong mm-hmm. defender. He was a strong rebounder. He was one of those... You know, people called him a role player, but that was unfair. He was an all-star and a deserved all-star. Yeah. I, I mean, Brandon Ingram has the a lot more potential that Dang ever had, but he's the For guy sure. to learn from. So Jim yeah. Buss went out and bought that argument, hopefully in the sense of extending his stay as chairman. Yeah. But I think, you know, I'm coming from this, obviously, from a very slanted perspective where my former general manager put the team above his job. Like he, yeah. he gave, you know, he, he didn't value his own job over the health of the team, but it seems like bus might've done the opposite here. Mm-hmm. So I, I just can't get behind what the Lakers did this off season on the good note. I love what Memphis did. I mean, you did. You know, they had, they had to resign Conley and I, I like Chandler Parsons. I as long as he I mean it's risky, obviously, yeah. but if he stays healthy, he's a great player. I you know, and Memphis is not like it's not a splashy market. You're you're not gonna typically lure these max contract players. So if you can extend the window of this Conley Gasol team, you gotta do it, whatever it takes. So I really like that and then that goes back to the draft too. Like I loved Wade Baldwin at 17 was awesome. Mm-hmm. Getting Deonta Davis at 31, like, whew, they, kudos. It just kudos to the Grizzlies for somehow, you know, they they were at risk of really going into complete and utter disarray if Conley left. But instead, they actually strengthened their team considerably and extended the window of this grit and grind era for at least two or three more years. I'm I'm getting Richard Jefferson in San Antonio vibes from that signing. Sarah, remember, you know, Richard Jefferson coming over to to the Spurs, mm-hmm. much fanfare, and then Spurs fans wanted to cut his head off like three <laughs> months into the season. Yep. Th- that's the vibe I get from Chandler Parsons right now. I don't mm-hmm. know where he's at athletically, health-wise. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like he never really built on that potential as an all-around player that he had. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous. I, I mean, if I'm a Memphis fan, I'm nervous that I invested $94 million in this guy. Just as I would be nervous if I'm a Dallas fan investing $94 million in Harrison Barnes. I mean, I I don't like those deals. But I get your point of view, though. Like, they didn't really have any options available. So right. getting just something out of it is good. But I view him as a potential Alvarez as well. Oh yeah, he definitely. I mean, he could blow up very poorly. Uh, but it sounds like the injury he had this past year, he had torn his meniscus. It didn't sound like a huge tear. Like I think he was back in the court in six or eight weeks or something like that. Like the timing of it was bad, mm-hmm. but it it didn't seem like it's nearly as severe of an injury as the whatever he did to his knee cartilage the year before. Like I think it was termed an alternative microfracture procedure. Oof. Like. Yeah, so that that one has you a little worried, but he came back and still lasted most of the year this past year. So, again, I just think it's like a risk you have to take to extend the window because otherwise, like Conley gave them an ultimatum and said, you know, 
we I need to see this team getting strengthened. Yeah. So if it's Sign Chandler Parsons, who still has some upside if he could stay healthy, and re-sign Conley or lose Conley. Like, I think you just take the lesser of two evils there. Yeah. Uh, Brook- Brooklyn's another one that I think really, I really like what they've done. It's been a lot of low-profile stuff. Um, and I have an article going up at bballbreakdown.com about this shortly, uh, either today or tomorrow, I think. Um, again, goes back to the draft. You trade Thaddeus Young for the number 20 pick. You know, Thaddeus Young's a great player, but he has no place on a rebuilding team. And then they take Karis LeVert, who is a late lottery talent. Really risky, because he's had three foot injuries in the past two years. But their team surgeon is the one that did this past procedure. So... They're actually, like, not going in blind here. They probably have a better sense of the severity of that injury than any other team. So if he stays healthy, you know, you got a late lottery talent at 20, and, again, you've got four years on him of a rookie deal, uh, and then probably four or five more years of him once he's a restricted free agent. So that was a good play. Uh, I liked Isaiah Whitehead trading up from 55 to 42 and giving up nothing but cash in return. Yeah. Um, Brooklyn kid, you know, great scorer. They really need that kind of scoring punch in the backcourt. Uh, signing Jeremy Lin, 336. You know, look at some of the deals that have been handed out. Like that, getting a starting caliber point guard for $12 million a year in this market is absurd. And I didn't even realize this, but their new head coach, Kenny Atkinson, worked with Lin back in, in New, New York. York. Yeah, he was an assistant yeah. coach. Yeah, so that seems like. I mean, he at least knows what made Lynn successful during that peak of Lynn's sanity. Um, and he's come out and basically said, like, look, the dude, he's a pick-and-roll player. Like, that's his; those are his strengths. That's his bread and butter. I'm going to run that with him and Brooke Lopez a lot, you know, toward the end of games. That's going to be what they do. You just got to make plays out of that. And it's just such a noted departure from two years ago when Lynn was in Los Angeles and he and Byron Scott were frequently clashing over how much they were allowed to run pick and rolls. Yeah. So I love the Lynn signing, uh, Trevor Booker and Justin Hamilton, you know, neither one of those guys, it's not like very flashy and especially compared to what the Knicks have been doing this off season. It's not going to draw many headlines, but you know, two competent rotation players, Hamilton was for three million a year. Booker was for nine. Getting him for under ten million a year—that's a great use of cap space. And then the the uh, Tyler Johnson, yeah, yeah, the poison pill deal. I oh my god, it, he's going to earn more a year than Jeremy Lin. Yeah, slightly, slightly, it's like, like tw- half 12, half a million yeah. more a year on average, which is really weird <laughs> when you think yeah, about it. It is really weird because he's but only played like, like fourteen hundred minutes, right? Uh yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, he has not played very much at all. He's only a second year player. And it's I, I just like the move and it's this is where I miss Sam Hinkey because I feel like if he were in charge of the Sixers still, he would have had those offer sheets out the door. I mean you can't technically do it till July seventh, but he would have been on the phone with agents twelve oh one, July first. Like I'm Jordan Clarkson, do not sign a fifty million dollar deal. I'm going to max you out give you a poison pill deal, make it really hard for L.A. to match. Yeah. And then, so that's what uh, Nets general manager Sean Marks has done. He's constructed both this, uh, the Johnson deal, and then the Alan Crabb offer sheet that we mentioned earlier, 
both of those are really hard for their incumbent teams to match because if Miami matches the Johnson deal, he counts as the mid-level exception for the next two years, yeah. and then he's like, all of a sudden his salary jumps to about $20 million in 2018-2019, which is a little, it's a little easier to handle now that Dwayne Wade's not there. But, like, still, do you want to devote $20 million to Tyler Johnson? I don't know. He's just barely player. I think he played, like, 68 career games. Yeah. Like, I don't so have it's... enough data on him. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And even, my, like, does Miami have enough data to give him $20 million? So that's that creativity that Marks has shown. And same thing with Crab. It's like a $75 million deal, has a trade kicker, has a player option, has bonuses that can go up to $83 million. After watching the Blazers give seventy million dollars to Evan Turner, are they willing to just double down and pay seventy five mm-hmm. upwards of eighty three to Alan Crabb? Probably not. And that's like the Nets are in just such a tough spot because of that Kevin Garnett trade from a few years ago where they just yeah. hemorrhaged draft picks that you, you need to be really creative in the ways that you acquire young talent. And it's just like it's so weird to see the Nets run as a competent organization. So <laughs> Like I'm not used to it. I'm I'm kind of bummed because now it's really only like Vlade is the last the last bastion of stupidity that people need to take advantage oh, of. I'm so glad you mentioned both the word Vlade and uh, competence and incompetence. <laughs> not because of Vlade, but Vlade oh. somehow um, he he let Seth Curry off the hook. Yes, and Seth oh my Curry's God. agent has to be a little bit incompetent because how can you yeah. only get two years six million total? From no Seth idea. Curry, I thought for sure when he was like became became an unrestricted free agent that he was going to San Antonio. I thought San Antonio oh, wow. would pick him up. He would be so good as Tony's backup, right? And then yeah. he ended up in Dallas. So Sarah, you still get him in Texas, but <laughs> wrong, wrong Texas team. Wrong Texas team. Close, but not close enough. Yeah. No, but wouldn't he it... have been great in pop system though? Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking about him too. I think it's it's funny that you you were thinking that way as well. Um, I don't know. I guess you know that they're gonna roll with Patty and our draft pick. I don't know how to say his name. Do you guys know? Did Did you say? I read it because I I saw it the first time and I wanted to like do the Y sound with the J and so now I can't get that out of my head. Oh, like Deontay I, I'm or not something. Honestly, sure, but yeah. he's awesome. He's yeah, so I'm excited fun. about him. I hope you know Chip can get his shot going. But yeah. we haven't had a, a guy with that athleticism and finishing ability since well, Georgie, maybe and young, young Tony Parker. Yeah, I don't know. So Spurs fans are going to be like, well, somebody dunked. What? What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, that's mean. Yeah, Seth Curry. <laughs> still true. But outside of Kawhi, how much athleticism do they have? Uh... Kyle Anderson. <laughs> you had to think about this. There was a legitimate moment of silence there. Your eyes rolled all up in your head like, oh, I have to think about that one. Yeah, there's not a lot of <laughs> athleticism. But it, here's the thing. They, the Spurs needed something dynamic, and I thought Seth Curry would have been that guy. He could come in. He could shake and bake a little bit. He could pull up from 25. He could do those things. But no, apparently not. And he goes to Dallas on the weirdest deal I've seen. Like he, well, there has to be like a player option, right? For for his second year, because I mean, if he misses out on both 2016 and 2017 money, he needs a new agent. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm gonna look at our. I don't. I don't. I, 
want to say I don't remember there being a player option, and I completely agree. I'm flabbergasted that yeah. he only got three million a year in this market. I would rather substitute substitute him for the contract that the Bulls gave to Rashawn Rondo, like two years, yeah. twenty eight million. Fair enough, oh, only yeah. three million in the second year is guaranteed. But I would rather roll the dice with Seth Curry. I mean, I, I know he's not his his older brother. That's fair, right? And, and all that, but he shot the hell out of that ball, and he looked so good coming down the stretch of the regular season. I, I wouldn't yeah. mind it, you know, roll rolling the dice on that kid. Yeah, he was one guy that I had my eye on for the Sixers as well. And early reports, I mean, nothing. I don't think the official terms have come out, but it seems like there is not a player option on that oh, deal. So he, Seth, man, yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to give one more team that I liked the offseason so far, and you guys thought you were going to get spared of Sixers talk, <laughs> but guys, Brian Colangelo didn't screw up. We, let's be honest. When we, yeah. when we yeah. played this podcast a month ago, we thought I would be the saddest of the three of us <laughs> because we thought he was going to max Harrison Barnes or max Dion Waiters, and I'm knocking on wood right now because Dion Waiters is still available. You just jinxed it, man. I know. Well, no, because now the Sixers have too many players on the roster. They like legitimately have a roster crunch. So I think they actually might be done, at least until they trade. I'm, I'm going to go on Lille. Twitter right now to see if they made a trade so they can yeah, fit Dion Waiters under the cap. Yeah, so let me let me praise him now before you tell me that they screwed up. But I, the thing that you do when you ha- draft Ben Simmons, like you use him as your point guard. It's like what Milwaukee is doing with Giannis. Like you just have to say, we have a six foot ten point guard. We don't need a high usage guy. We do not need Rajon Rondo, who was also linked to the Sixers before the Bulls thankfully took him from us. <laughs> uh, so instead, he goes out and gets Jared Bayless for three years, twenty seven million. He gets Sergio Rodriguez. I think it was one year, eight million, and then gets Gerald Henderson, two years, eighteen million. Like all three guys. They provide that veteran presence that we are, you know, that we have lacked mm-hmm. in recent years. They're all good off-ball threats. Henderson's not necessarily a great three-point shooter, but he's at least fine as a slasher, as a mid-range guy. And defender. Uh, yeah, and Bayless, Bayless and Rodriguez can run an offense, but they don't need the ball in their hand all the time. So, you know, oh, you I were scared guess- shitless about the Bayless signing. I was, but then I looked into it. I was like, oh, he actually shot 40-something percent on three? Oh, he's like, he was a great catch-and-shoot three-point shooter? To, like, that's, I'm all for it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, that's I was I was scared because I thought they were going, that he was going to be a backup, and then they were going to sign Rondo or something like a traditional point guard, which you don't do when you have Ben Simmons. So I'm just very encouraged that Brian Colangelo did not jeopardize the financial flexibility that Sam Hinkie left for him. And that they're really committed to this Ben Simmons point guard thing. They've said they're not going to start him as the full-time ball handler. He's going to start as a point forward like LeBron or like Draymond. But they legitimately envision him as their full-time playmaker, much like what Milwaukee is doing with Giannis in a couple of years. So I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I am so hyped for the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals because <laughs> point Ben Simmons versus point Giannis it's going to melt minds. It's going to be two seven-foot point guards going against each other. It's going to be awesome. So I'm not lying here. There is actually a Dion oh, Waiters sh- Sixers update, but not a bad one, Brian. It's what? Keith Pompey 
Um, uh-huh. I, I'm not sure I pronounced that last name correctly. I'm, I'm my apologies, Keith. It, it, he he tweeted uh, 15 minutes ago saying Dion Waiters to Sixers via free agency looking more and more unlikely. Hey! <laughs> that's good, but that's it's kind of there funny that he he posted that like, <laughs> talking about it. So that's good. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh good. That's yeah. I mean, I've been sketching out the. Uh, just the amount of roster spots the Sixers have, and I think they already have 15 guys. Um, yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so Pompey is reporting they want him to take a two-year deal, which could include a team option in case he's not a good fit. Uh, he wants a regular deal with more years, and OKC is prepared to match any deal he receives. So there you go. Brian Colangelo. Good work. I'm I, surprised I, that Brian Colangelo has done so well. Too. I mean, Me too! I'm shocked. Because he came into the offseason saying, like, we want to win now. We want to get veterans to win now. And, like, Bayless, Henderson, Rodriguez, well, like, the Sixers will not be a 10-win team, but they're not going to be a playoff team this year. So I'm glad that he didn't try to rush the process faster than it needed to go. But what were the rumors on draft night? If they are to oh, be believed, like what was he offering them? Yeah, well, so that's the thing. It's like hard to suss out what is real and what yeah. is not because. So I think it was Mark Stein who reported, like right as the draft started, that they had offered Nerlens Covington and both of their late first round picks, number twenty four and twenty six, to Boston only for number three. But if that's the case, there is no effing way Boston turns that down. There is no way. Agreed. Because Covington alone is on like a $1 million deal for the next two years. Like that, if you're going to take Jalen Brown, you're just going to, like Robert Covington is just as good as Jalen Brown. Yeah. Yeah. At least right now. So. Yeah. Right. right. Exactly. Like Jalen Brown has a much higher upside, obviously. But like, if you're talking about players who are going to help you win next year, Robert Covington is just prepared to do so as Jalen Brown, and seeing as the Celtics are a 48-win team, like, they want those win-now guys. You Like, Nerlens would be such a good fit. Think about him next to Al Horford. Are you kidding me? <laughs> There's no way they turn that down. So, I, I mean, maybe, maybe Danny Ainge just really saved Colangelo from himself, but both sides have come out afterward. They came out the night of the draft and said, like, the Celtics said, we were never close to a deal. All the offers we received were insulting. And Colangelo said, like, yeah, a lot of the rumors in the media were totally made up. Like, that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. So it could just be, like, agent leverage kind of thing, which mm-hmm. seemed to be, you know, uh, it's just hard to see what's actually real this time of year and what's not. The whole thing was really weird. Yeah, I mean, I will be honest, I did not enjoy watching the Sixers draft Ben Simmons because I was just like watching TweetDeck for every single update like oh god oh god are they really about to do this are you really about to ruin this night for me Brian Colangelo but he did not so I am cautiously optimistic that the process is still alive despite being under new stewardship so you kind of surprised me there Brian I actually thought that Robert Covington was a free agent after next season next season by mm-hmm. 2017, but yeah, the Philly... Two more years. Yeah, they have a team option for a little over a mil. Yep. Oh, he's he's so upset right yeah. now looking at that market. He he would He's one of those guys who would have gotten like $64 million. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. 
that's the Hinky special right there. He signed a four year non guaranteed deal. Yeah. And he's the one guy you know, with all those second round picks and like undrafted guys, the hit rate is going to be so low just by virtue of like that's how it works with second rounders and undrafted guys. But if you hit on one of them, which he did with uh Covington and I would argue he did the same thing with Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Like that one out of ten, two out of ten gamble just paid off because now you have a legitimate rotation player on a contract for one billion dollars a year for the next two years when Evan Turner is making seventeen, eighteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. Like, who would you rather have right now, Robert Covington or Evan Turner? I think yeah. it's pretty close. Yeah, no, close. It's, <laughs> it's so easy. I want the guy who can shoot. Yeah, right. And I didn't want to, and yeah, definitely. I didn't want to be a homer, but yeah, like no, I, no. I take Covington right now. You He's... a homer? Come on, Brian. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's never happened. Um, yeah, you know. yeah. So before we sign off here, anyone else want to weigh in with things they liked or disliked from the first week of free agency? No, not really. I think we covered free agency. I just want to put something out regarding summer league. Yes. Yeah, Chris Dunn threw in. 27 points last night yep and i now understand why both philly and chicago went after him so aggressively no I, I'm, I'm basically <laughs> kidding i knew beforehand he, he's really really good but there was this uh universal concern that it was that he was slightly better in terms of being a college player but right. literally every bucket he made last night was an nba move like yeah yeah you know scouts were sitting there watching him and they were just all you know, drooling over that potential. The thing was that his moves, the way he 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 finished around the the rim, the way he just handled the ball, everything about him screams NBA stud. Mm-hmm. And yeah, tips, lot, if he finds his shot, yeah. it's over. I mean, that was the one concern about him heading into the draft was that he's a little bit older than you would like, yeah, and he's not a super consistent jump shooter. But if he if he turns into a even half decent jumper yeah like Mm -hmm. he's he's got the length he has the defense he has the pick and roll control like he's 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 definitely going to be a good player yeah oh god Tibbs is gonna have a field day with him i am really looking at minnesota as one of those dark horse playoff teams for sure yeah absolutely yeah because a little you gotta figure levine takes a step forward wiggins i really think that towns is gonna be the best thing to happen to wiggins because you the concern with Wiggins going into the draft was, is he ready to be that face of the franchise? Does he want to be a number one option? Now he doesn't have to be. Yeah. So now so. he can just be a 20-point-per-game scorer that's basically just like that on one end and then just a lockdown defender on the other. And that's all he has to worry about. He doesn't have to concern himself with being this like well-rounded, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George-type player. At least not yet. At least that's the thing. Here, here's my thing, and Minnesota fans are gonna gonna come at me hard. I would gauge the trade market for Wiggins just because, just mm. to see what's out there. Yeah. Like if you could get a, a guy who is a better de- defender, I know Wiggins has a lot of defensive potential, mm-hmm. but like a guy who's a solid defender, who's close in age, who's got a better jump shot. Who's a better rebounder? But that's not saying a lot because you could find <laughs> right. you could find five eleven point guards who are better rebounders than Andrew Wiggins, right? <laughs> just yeah. I, I I would like to see what you could get out of Wiggs. You're just saying that because you want to trade Jimmy Butler. For no, him. no. Here's the thing: <laughs> I would I would actually rather have done. You would ra- you would rather have 
Dunn than Wiggins? I, I think I would. Oh, wow. See, no, I, um, he, I, I know. It sounds crazy. It's just because I, I saw a lot of Wiggins last year. I know that he's a project, and I know that he's got this athletic ability, and but he just made so many bad mistakes and bad decisions and i'm and i'm thinking like can can tips iron 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 them out probably Mm -hmm. but could they be ironed out in chicago or or somewhere else maybe not like i don't trust fred horberg to iron those faults (laughs) out i trust tips to do it so you need to have the right coach attached to wiggins yeah and i'm just sitting there thinking like minnesota if they traded for like let's let's say they could get all right, Chris Middleton and Thon Maker for Wiggins, right? Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah. I I would kind of like that for Minnesota. Oh, I would do that deal very quickly. Yeah, right. Yeah. They get another large body who can you know develop nicely alongside Towns, who can play both power forward and center while even handle the ball a little bit, and then they get this two way guy in Middleton, yeah. who's an improving think... passer. Middleton's just super underrated. Like, I, yeah, I'm I'm very high on Chris Middleton, and he's on a laughably small deal now. Since anyone who signed, exactly. anyone who signed the long term deal under the old cap is only going to get so much more valuable as we keep moving forward. So, like, those are absolutely the guys you go after, just yeah. because, like, I mean, we said it last time. John Wall is making fifty million dollars less than Bradley Beal on the same length <laughs> contract. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's just it's yeah. yeah. Sarah, do you have any other thoughts from the off or the first week of free agency? I'm still daydreaming about the Jazz. <laughs> I don't blame it's like, you. Diaw is going to be so good for Gobert. Oh like, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. But quickly, were you guys surprised that Wade left? Morton? Yeah, of course. It's Wade. I mean, look, he's even surprised. He he's come out today with a few comments. Mm-hmm. That's kind of concerning if you're a Bulls fan. He said that he <laughs> wanted to have a, a whole month more to make his decision. He wished he had a whole month, yeah. which is kind of like, it sounds a little bit like he's regretted his decision, <laughs> which would be so fitting. It would just be like the perfect way to end this train wreck of a summer for Chicago. But um, no, of course. I mean, every, he and Pat Riley has been a little bit like, you, you know how... Tim and Pop has that annual dusty relationship. Once in a while, they hit. They they have like two weeks where they don't talk. They just butt heads for two weeks, and then everything's forgiven. Wade and Pat Riley seems to have that every time he's a free agent. So I just figured, okay, they're gonna have that one week where they bitch and moan at each other, and Wade is gonna say, "I want more money." Pat is gonna be like, "No, you're you're not getting more money," and then they're gonna figure something out. Apparently, no, not this time around, and. Yeah, I'm I'm very surprised that Wade is no longer at Miami Heat. Like very surprised. Definitely. Yeah. Um I mean I went to go give my dog a bath on Wednesday and then go walk him because we were driving to DC early Thursday morning. So that was like a two hour ordeal. And by the time I get back, I'm like checking Twitter on my phone as I'm walking back upstairs and see that he joined the Bulls. And it seemed like this time you know, he, he does, Morton, you said, he flirts a lot in free agency and always seems to threaten, like, I'm really going to leave this time. He's such a tease. But, <laughs> but this time it really seemed like he was pissed off. Yeah. Uh, the irony is that I forget where I read this. I think it, I forget who, maybe Dan Levitard or someone, 
But the difference between the Bulls offer and the Heat offer after factoring in state taxes is very negligible. So this was not like a financial thing. It was literally, Mm -hmm. you guys have just disrespected me for so long. Screw you, I'm leaving. I'm going to go take home. a contract that looks bigger yeah. but it doesn't like my net take home pay is not going to be all that different so in that sense i'm surprised um but no it seems like we've seen you know we made fun of the lakers for giving kobe such a massive deal yeah uh and saw how that really limited their chance of improving their team and i think the heat were right to be hesitant to give him more than two years guaranteed, but it's it is going to be weird to see Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. in a Bulls uniform. Yeah, but yeah. On, on the bright side, now the Chicago announcer can now say from <laughs> Chicago, and you know no, after Derek Rose left, I don't want that. It's going to happen. I don't want. You know that. it's going to happen. That's Derek's. I don't want that. That's Derek's. Uh, I I will bet you ten dollars that that happens on opening night. Uh, you you know what? You got to bet. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> have you guys noticed how many players have started to come home lately? Yeah. We have LaMarcus Aldridge last year going back to Texas. LeBron going back to Cleveland. Now Wade is in Chicago. Joakim Noah went back to New York. Like, Dwight to Atlanta. Dwight to Atlanta, that's right. So y- yeah. you have like a lot of guys going home. It's it's kind of romantic, and I kind of like it. Yeah, bit. except... Except Dion is from Philly, so <laughs> let's, let's, well, let's there avoid. we go, Brian. And now you just jinxed it twice. I know. No, all right. Yeah, he, he jinxed it back this time. Oh, yeah. that's right. He so reversed it. A oh, double yeah. jinx. Double jinx. Right. right. Don't yeah, tell me I, wrong, I, Keith. Yeah. Pa- Keith Pompey. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't that surprised that Wade left because, it, like you guys said, plus I follow um, so a guy who covers the Heat, and I really so sorry if I butcher your name. It's either Nikias, Nikias, I don't know, N-E-K-I-A-S. Hmm. Um, he seems to know his stuff, and he's actually been a proponent of them moving on, even though he appreciates what Wade has done so much. And he actually tweeted something a few days ago about Gabrielle Union's favorites. So I went <laughs> through and looked at some of her, and it's like, you know, she, she favorited his... Uh, Dwayne Wade's relationships are important people to oh, yeah. you. Yep. And some other stuff about players leaving teams and it's like, well, if if her thoughts are mirror, mirroring his thoughts on this, then he really might leave. He seems like he is not happy. So, yeah. Gabriel yeah, Union he... is going to look a lot better on Chicago's sideline than Derrick Rose's brother Reggie Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that was the but the thing that got my wife the most excited was, oh my God, Gabrielle Union's moving to Chicago. <laughs> so that reminds me, I was about to ask, and I completely forgot, how is your wife, Alex, taking the news that both Derek and Joakim is leaving Chicago for, for New York? And for those who don't know, Brian's wife, Alex, is uh, a huge Bulls fan, and or Derek Rose and Joakim Noah fan more specifically. Yeah. So when both of those players left, I, I saw some Facebook, uh, so some some Facebook statuses that were that were kind of sad. Yeah, it was a dark day. Yeah. She actually just took a step two. She is a now a fourth year medical student, so she just took another oh. huge test. Uh, so it's been a bad month for her. But she hates the Rondo signing. She's like you. She was just like 
once Wade came, it was like YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's definitely most excited about Gabby Union more than yeah. more, more than whatever's gonna happen Yo, with the Bulls. That should be Chicago's slogan for this year. YOLO. YOLO, yeah. Yolo. <laughs> just just put that on the season for I mean, sure. For real, that should be their slogan. That that would be so fitting and that would also present the perfect sense of irony and transparency that the club never has. That would that's be true. so that's that's the way you connect with fans. Look, here, Chicago Bulls, if you're listening to this by any stretch of the imagination here, which you probably aren't, but if you are, be more transparent and make your slogan for this year YOLO. I swear <laughs> to God it'll actually connect you with your fan base, which you haven't done in like twenty years. So yeah, go with it. And this is advice is free, by the way. <laughs> there we go. Your favorite word. There we go, Bulls. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you'll adopt YOLO and <laughs> give give Chicago fans something to cheer about. So uh, this is going to wrap it up for the NBA podcast presented by B-Ball Breakdown. You can find us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. Check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Please leave us reviews. We always love to read those. Uh, be sure to check out bballbreakdown.com for plenty of off-season coverage. We, I've plugged a few things that I wrote, but we've also got stuff going up. A lot of roundtables in recent days about the big free agent moves, where I'm sure we'll have some analysis over the coming days and weeks about uh, kind of this whole new league that we have, because things are far different than they were a month ago. Uh, guys, next time we can talk pleasantly about Summer League and yeah. then hopefully we'll have a little bit more clarity in terms of Tim Duncan and Sarah. We will try to console you. So until then, stay strong, so, Sarah. Yeah, I'm trying. This is possibly our last podcast with Timmy as an NBA player. That's true. So, yeah. Just for the record, I hope he returns guys. too. Yeah. Fingers hey, crossed. Hey, you told me he was gonna. Remember, I, I'm still holding you to that. So. <laughs> oh, forget. I know. I know. I don't think he's gonna leave, given the the way that they lost. So I'm sticking to they my guts on that one. They've paid too much to other people now, though. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Brian, before yes. you close us off uh, completely, I just want to give a major shout-out to all the beat writers and the bloggers yes. because they've been on their game this summer. Yeah. It's really – I mean, I've been on TweetDeck more or less 24-7. I actually started off free <laughs> agency with a 24-hour run. I know. Um, I, did, you, did you sleep at all? No, like I, I, I didn't. It's because uh, when when all the signings are made, it's in the middle of the night, Danish yeah. time. And right. I wanted to stay up for 24 hours and report all the big contracts. And I did that on Facebook to my Danish fans and whatnot. Danish fans. That's not what I meant. I'm sorry. Oh I'm not a celebrity. Oh, boy. That sounded horrible. <laughs> Danish followers. It was something with F, damn it. Um, wow. Look at me. Uh, so yeah, I, I stayed up for 24 hours and I mean, people were just on their A game. Everyone, yeah, like yeah. Vosch, Alex Kennedy, all the beat writers, Casey Johnson, everyone. It was just such a pleasure. So, so easy to follow along to. And I mean, those guys, man, look, the cab is rising. Should, so should the same for the salaries of sport writers and podcasters. <laughs> we should, we should get a part of the, the, you know the the split, the fifty one yeah. forty nine split. That's uh, but so many guys are deserving of so much more. So yeah, just want yeah. to give a shout out to all those. Yeah, we we all echo that. It's been 
one hell of a, I mean, you know, you find, you find Shams, I feel like every night at 11, yeah. he always breaks some huge signing. So, yeah, props props to everyone for a good vertical, week of work. Like the shows that they've done? Yeah, they've been awesome. They've been really good. It's been good. amazing. Like, screw ESPN. Yeah. It's been yeah. so good. Yeah. So, uh, big shout out to everyone who's been grinding the past week. We, we all appreciate it. Um, and, yeah, until next time, guys. Take it easy, and Sarah, stay strong for us. I'm trying. No All promises. Right. Enjoy how. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care, guys. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.